It was almost like, I don't really care. Like me, don't like me. I don't care. With that, again, like everything is a gift and a shadow, right? So with that came this amazing gift where I could like walk into any room and just be me. You like me? Great. You don't like me? Great. Like it made no difference to me. Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's got to be more to life or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, this podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever. I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time. And for us, that's perfect. Because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our personal development without the fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. So today's review comes to us from Trippin Billy and Trippin Billy writes headline, getting better at feeling. I've been listening to this podcast for only a short time, but I'm already getting a ton of value. Having struggled with anxiety and depression, I'm starting to shift from trying to feel better to instead get better at feeling. I love this concept and it makes so much sense since I've spent so much time numbing my feelings. Thank you so much for this fantastic resource. Trip and Billy, you are so welcome. Speaking our language. I love that. Getting better at feeling than trying to feel better. If that's you and you want to send us a review, please head over to iTunes and do that as well. And we might call you out. Trip and Billy, for now, reach out and grab your gift. Welcome to today's uh, live slash podcast. Kind of a different thing than we normally do. We have gotten recently, um, obviously, we're we're engaged in our Facebook group and we're always looking to see what kind of uh, things are facing. And I think in the, as a as a broad stroke type of thing, this is uh, actually a big issue uh, for a lot of people, me included. I don't think Elon quite connects to it as much as me, uh, and I think that's good because then he'll have some insights as to why why he's comfortable where so many are not. As you can see in the title here, I called it uh, "Social Anxiety: Deep Connections and How to Feel Comfortable with People." It could say "With People and Yourself" because I think that yeah. uh, that last part "With Yourself" is probably the most important part. Um, we had a question from someone in our group that was pretty lengthy, um, basically saying that when she was younger, she had an older sister and that the older sister was always the one that made connections with groups and, and entertained and, and met different people. And then once she was kind of in, so to speak, that the little sister would come in and say hello, but she never has really opened people um, and that she's confused about how to make friends how to keep friends, why people have friends and, you know, but it goes to like a bigger thing about social anxiety. And I think this is pretty apropos given today's uh, social media world where whether it's true or not, I'm not actually sure that kind of like the millennials, you know, hide behind their screens and are not uh, socially interacting with one another, but that feels true. 
Um, so I think it's a worthwhile topic, um, kind of like just generalize more about, you know, social anxiety, what people are dealing with, um, overall safety issues and, and stuff like that. So I can't relate with everything she said. The irony is after she wrote that and a lot of people interacted with it and, and were basically signing off that they feel the same way. She actually left the group. <laughs> and, I imagine, and I imagine that that happened because of the, the very same reason she was asking the question, which is, you know, we put ourselves out there and we start feeling these um, uncomfortable sensations in our body. We think people are judging us. She even mentioned that she started saying hi to people at work now and that now she feels like there's uh, gossip um, about her saying hello at work. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, so I'll start speaking for us. Like this is, um, I, I can't relate to everything that the question said, but certainly I can relate to social anxiety. Um, regardless of all the stages that Elon and I have spoken on, um, I've held events by myself and spoken for 14 hours. Uh, for me, the reality is, is I, I regularly get overwhelmed by um, energy, especially in, in large groups of people. This still happens till today. I just went to a wedding last Friday with a bunch of people that I know and that it's still there for me. Um, so uh, I think we could talk about, you know, like what, what are my strategies today? Why is it that regardless of, of that stuff happening in my system, um, different strategies I've applied at different times of my life to, to deal with this. Um, you know, originally for me with this, you know, eventually I figured out that, uh, I'm telling myself a story that, Obviously, there's no real threat and that I should just kind of get get on with things and take action. And I did that for many, many years. And I eventually um, built kind of like this override system where regardless of what I, what I was feeling in my body, I took action anyway. I think that was healthy for that time because I needed to see that I could take action. Totally. Today, I don't think that that's quite as healthy. Although, again, I will say that was an important part of my development. And I think that was an important stage for my development to see that regardless of uh, what I'm feeling internally, that I can still take action. Uh, today, I actually see that it didn't, wasn't actually helping me, though, relieve those symptoms, uh, obviously, because I, I just told you that I'm still experiencing them. So um, today, here's, here's what I really want to focus on. And then I, I want Elon to chime in because his experience is so vastly different is the reason there's a few things that happen to me when that's happening. Number one is generally overwhelmed. And then I actually get this like uh, uneasy feeling in my stomach that usually speeds up my speech. It will have me stuttering and kind of like almost kind of glossing over ideas. Like I can't like think quite clearly. Uh, oftentimes my experience is that I'm getting awkward, like mm -hmm. I'm getting awkward. And then what I watch is the person in front of me getting awkward because it's like, we're not really getting connected. So then I start thinking to myself, oh shit, I'm being awkward. Are they being awkward because I'm being awkward and they're being awkward because I'm being awkward. I should stop being awkward so they can stop being awkward and then we can stop being awkward together and we can have a nice conversation. And that's kind of the, the dialogue that's, that's in my mind for me and that's happened quite wow. a bit. Um, so that's been happening for, you know, as long as I can remember. And the, the irony is when we were younger and still maybe a lot of times today too, like Elon, because he doesn't seem to have this issue, if we walk into a room and he's representing us as a company or as a duo, like, you know, he's very forward saying hi to people and whatnot. And sometimes I will kind of like lay back for like a moment, just like watch him do his thing and then kind of, you know, insert myself. Um, but obviously, you know, we haven't lived together in seven, eight years. It's not something I get to do on a regular basis. So today I'm, I'm, I'm much more willing because I, I, I realize that the fear that I'm experiencing at some degree, at some level, everyone's experiencing what I know now about myself is before I would just get into the anxiety 
of it and try to manage myself. Now what ends up happening is when I'm, when I'm experiencing that, I, I used to lose awareness within myself. So I started like kind of traveling out, which is why I was getting spacey and finding it difficult to talk. It's difficult to talk when you're not in your body while you're having a conversation with somebody. So now I actually just, what, uh, what really helps me is I actually put awareness. I, I don't hide from the sensation, which is what was happening before. I was like, oh no, this uncomfortable thing is here. And I didn't want to deal with it. Now I actually put attention on the uncomfortableness And what I have found is within like 15, 30 minutes, just putting awareness on that sensation or that part inside my body will actually help me ground and relax. It helps like move and dissipate the energy. And eventually I'm fully grounded and then I'm there and I'm really enjoying connection with people. Um, And that's kind of what's changed for me now. So I think that's at least how I'd like to open this conversation. Then we'll see how it unfurls. Yeah. It's so interesting, like even hearing you say that, and and I, I know because I obviously grew up with you. Um, it's just so strange, you know, like when when something when someone has something, and I mean, there's so many people that I come across. I'm like, how are you not? How does this not scare the shit out of you? Or how are you not worried about this? Um, and they're not because it's just their wiring. They're not. Sure. I was actually talking to our mentor today, and I was saying that like one of the things that's become amazingly. Uh, present for me of late is my story around abandonment and like you're not there for me not like me not there for you like people aren't there for you yeah yeah like anyone like my wife my kids my uh my parents clients people that we work with etc it's interesting for me that when this stuff shows up that like my response to it is so vastly different than yours you know, like when we walk into a room, I think the thing that I get excited by is the opportunity to interact and meet different people and have different conversations. So like um, Fanny and I went to Columbia together and um, we went and hung out with Larry and Oksana, which are I, I actually met through Guy. And then we got introduced to a bunch of their friends and I was just kind of like noticing when a bunch of new people are sitting around a table, I'm always very aware of how people are interacting with other people. Like there's those that are like me who are very engaged and asking questions and sharing stories. There's those that kind of like sit in the background and are a lot more quiet and just kind of like listen. And then they dip their toe in, you know, like everyone's got their own strategy when they're amongst, um, friends and people. And then we went to a wedding where we met more people. And it was, I'm always just curious. I'm always curious at how people are Uh, there. And there's definitely people that are like incredibly socially awkward and they've just created these, like I said, stories around it. So one of the first exercises I think that you and I ever did around this fear and social anxiety was that be with exercise um, in landmark. And, um, I still, to this day, I mean, we, we do it and we've done it at our live events. Um, and it's a really, really simple exercise. You can do it with anyone. If you have a roommate, if you have a partner in life, if you have, it doesn't matter. Just you get someone and and basically what you do is you stand almost like nose to nose. So your feet are like kind of almost touching and you put your hands at your side and you just, it, it's called be with, but you stare at one eye. You basically like pick one eye and you just stare at that eye. Um, and you hold that gaze and you just start to notice all the things that are in your way of connecting to people. Um, your fears come up, your 
you know, what some people, I guess, would call social anxiety arises. And it just, you start to notice like what's in the way of you connecting with other human beings. And to me, it was one of the most powerful, still one of the most powerful exercises that uh, I've ever done. And I think at least from that perspective, you can start to really analyze. And I'm, sh- I'm curious what your experience, because I'm sure you remember it more. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious what your experience was when we, we actually did that exercise, because I know that was really big for us. Yeah. And I was also really young. So pri- prior to that exercise, I almost never made eye contact with people. Or it was like very short, maybe like three seconds felt like an eternity for me. So I was kind of always looking away. And I have some uh, insight into why that is today about how different people's systems are organized. So I remember I was still wearing glasses at the time. They made me take off glasses that made me feel extremely insecure mm-hmm. right away. And I wasn't quite sure I could see people because Elon and I both have had LASIK. And at that point, we were really blind. So even a person standing a few feet away from me was very blurry. And I and they they don't give coaching to look at one eye. Paul gave us that coaching many years later. Um, so I was darting back and forth, and I remember looking and then but kind of like looking at them, but like looking past them, really. And when I went to sat down, went to sit down, when the exercise was over, the person I did it with actually walked up to me and said, "I noticed that you weren't looking at me, like you were looking past me, like they noticed that." Mm. And that was very um, alarming for me. Wow, that a stranger could see how uncomfortable that I was because I thought I was hiding that well. Wow. And I remember thinking to myself, that was interesting. But what I remember coming out of that exercise is going to sit at lunch with people and starting to make eye contact with people in a way that I, I never had. Like suddenly I was like, oh, okay, this is not so scary. And I've gone through phases in my life where sometimes I feel good with that and sometimes I feel less good with that. Uh, it, it's ironic, like for me, I've, I've always been a bit of a chameleon in terms of like, I can play all the roles. Like I can walk into the room and be the center of attention, even if I don't like it. Uh, I can come in and be the one that shakes all the hands and gets really engaged. And, you know, I've always used humor to kind of make myself feel better. Sarcasm has been a fantastic and wonderful tool in my life. Uh, to Honestly, to pacify and ease my system a lot. I'm sure most people do that as a deflection from what they're feeling. Um, today, I think because I, I can feel into my system so deeply in other people's systems, I know that I can, and at least in a period of time, relax myself in just about any environment. Like I've never been the type of person that can get into an environment. I'm so overwhelmed and leave. I have friends that are that sensitive though. They like get into an environment and then they, they're so overwhelmed by energy that they legitimately just cannot, um, they legitimately just cannot, uh, deal with the energy in space. So yeah, that's what I remember about that exercise. Very powerful for me. It, it's always challenging even when we do it. I think if someone is going to take on doing that exercise, just creating a really safe space context in the container about why it's being done, you're going to laugh. You might cry. You might be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, And that's the thing. It's like allowing for all those things to come up is your ability to notice really what's in the way of you being with people and ultimately you know, the human experience for me is about being with people like that, that turns out to be, uh, it's becoming more and more clear to me that that's the most important thing. Honestly, that's the last bit I say here. When we interviewed uh, Paul Selig on the podcast, one of the biggest things I walked away from that is um, for those of you guys who haven't listened to that podcast, I would. And if you haven't read Paul's books, I would. He's a very powerful and high integrity channel, in my opinion. Um, and something that 
surprised me, you, you know, Elon and myself being what we pursue and the type of experiences we've gotten to have, like gifts, energetic gifts, um, you know, intuitive gifts, call it whatever you want to call it, uh, has been a focus of our study for a long time. And you, when you're studying something, what you may not notice is like your attachment to the achievement of something, right? Because that's why you're studying if not to achieve something. And what we have now discovered over the last few years is like this energy of achievement, not what it gives is actually what it takes away. So when we asked Paul, like, what, what is it that you want in life? And he, you know, you would think somebody with that much access who has this incredible gift, clairvoyance, healing people would be so fulfilled by that. And he is, but when you ask him what he really wants, he's like, I just want someone to love and to love me to be in connection with a person and a partner. And, you know, like these like really simple things in life, you know, like health, um, partnership, the basics. Right. And it's funny, like the basics, we think like we all strive to get them. And then when we get them, you start kind of taking it for granted. But Elon and I, I think are very, I don't want to say lucky, but you know, have those areas of our life in spades in such a good place. And yeah, it's like, we're in pursuit of these gifts. Like that's the important thing. And it made me realize like I'm in pursuing these gifts, not even seeing that people with these gifts, all they want is the things that I already have. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me like, double take a little bit. And so, you know, what's important for me now really is like this conversation is the, when you're in a room with people feeling safe enough. And I think that's the, the primary focus probably of this conversation is how do, how do we get ourselves feeling safe enough that when we're speaking with somebody, we're not necessarily like not feeling the judgments that we create about ourselves and other people, but like we're being with it in a way that allows for us to really, um, have our human experience the way that we're having it and learn to love it, not to try to make it something, something else. That's, that's what I was very focused on. I was trying to make it something else for many years. And now I'm like having my experience. You know, that, that exercise for me was um, interesting. It brought up a lot of emotion. I remember crying a lot. I remember actually the woman that I was uh, standing across reminding me of uh, Saftamanya and like just having like wells of emotion about, grandparents and death and getting old. It was like, it was very bizarre experience. When people are afraid to look someone in the eye, I want you just to pay attention. If you're listening to this right now, it's like, there's something that you're afraid that that person's going to see. So when guy took off his glasses, right, there was this part of like the protection mechanism disappeared. And there was this fear like of being seen. Then he came up with a different strategy was like, okay, I'm just going to cycle in between the eyes and I'm going to kind of like pretend that I'm looking at them. I'm actually going to look through them. And then when the person called him out on the strategy, that was like even worse because now he was really seen. So there's like no protection mechanism anymore. So I think a lot of the times it's, we're so uncomfortable with ourselves. Like social anxiety comes from, you're just uncomfortable in your own skin. And you're kind of afraid that like someone else is going to see something that you don't want them to see. I think part of the reason that I've never really, it hasn't affected me to that thing is because one of the programs that I have is, and again, this, this kind of came from like the whole abandonment thing. Like my protection mechanism around abandonment was I don't need you. It was like a big, big phrase of mine. Right? So when I met people, it was almost like, I don't really care. Like me, don't like me. Cause the, the little boy inside was like, 
it doesn't matter. You're going to leave me anyway, was kind of mm -hmm. the, the, the idea behind it all. So it was like, I don't care. Right. And with that, again, like everything is a gift and a shadow. Right. So with that came this amazing gift where I could like walk into any room and just be me. And you like me? Great. You don't like me? Great. Like it made no difference to me. Hello, my favorite listener. That's you. I wanted to share with you some of the amazing results and breakthroughs your fellow Satorians are experiencing as we speak from being in the collective with us. So if you haven't heard about the collective or what you're missing out, check this out. So Amanda writes, a couple of years ago, I was destitute, living back with my parents at 36. I'd lost my job, was overcome with chronic illness and a strong victim mindset, and I was totally stuck. Through the influence of your training, I'm enjoying a much more fulfilling life. I've moved back home, gotten a great job, taken control of my health, and even bought the car I've always wanted. I'm ready to go even further into my awakening and manifest the life I truly deserve. I couldn't be happier to be part of this tribe of amazing human beings. Robin said to us, thank you. Since March, I've started meditating every day. I've lost 27 pounds. I've resigned from a job that I hated but stuck with because of the money and I've already received three new job offers and even taken one of them that is paying more and I'm much happier. Plus, my relationship with my husband is flourishing too. Thank you. And Paul writes, after talking to my daughter, I now know that I feel relieved and much lighter because of it. Thank you again for everything. You guys have changed my life. I feel like I've come farther in the last few weeks than I have in the last few years. I'm so grateful for your help and support. I love you guys. Look, I know this podcast adds tremendous value to your life. My suggestion is head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and jump headfirst into the collective. After all, it's only a $9 a month investment and we'll, you'll get access to Guy and I in a whole new way. You'll learn some of the most cutting edge technology that we share with our best clients, but we can't really share here on the podcast. Imagine you and us interacting with each other live every two weeks for just $9. It's incredible, as you've seen before. So if you're wanting breakthrough results in your life quickly, head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and begin to deepen your journey as a Satorian today. So I didn't have that many things uh, today, even more so like, but today it's kind of from a different angle. The one area that I do remember being really, really nervous was with girls. Um, and I remember liking girls and being super um, scared to ask them out, say certain things again, cause like the whole rejection, which I think we all deal with. Um, and then I remember at some point, it sounds really strange. At some point I remember I walked into some room. I even remember what I was wearing and, uh, like I, I felt for the first time that girls looked at me, like, like looked at me in a way where they were like interested. Yeah. Um, and I remember this switch going off in my head and, that, and being like, oh, they like me. And that was it. And I remember after that, I was like a lot more comfortable to be able to go up to girls. And then I got older and then it was, you know, we would go out to New York City and things like that. And I would see people that I like. And I remember being frozen, like not being able to go up to them. Yeah. Because there was another layer there. There was another layer of like, okay, now we're older. They have all these other guys. Like, 
What if I make a fool of myself? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I look like an idiot? What if they say no? Like all these things naturally came up. And this is around the time that Guy and I really started to do, well, at least for me, I started to do a lot more of this personal development work. And when I started to do this personal development work, I remember it occurred to me that the same fears that I have inside that are constantly yapping, everyone has. And I remember for the first time walking through New York City. And by the way, if you've never been to New York City, everyone walks in New York City. If you can see this on the video, great. If you're listening on a podcast, try to describe it as best I can. Everyone walks with their eyes looking down as fast as they can and just like pummeling through. No one looks at each other. No one smiles. Well, well, tonight the whole world is organized that way because everyone's looking at their cell phones. <laughs> yeah. And, so. and now that everyone's like on headphones right. and whatever. So, and I remember walking and it was like the first time when I realized like, oh, everyone's afraid. This is not just me. It's like everyone around me has the same exact conversations going on in their head. And no one knows that everyone has these conversations going on in everyone's head. Right. So I almost felt like I was given this gift of seeing the world through this different lens. And I remember walking through New York City, trying to make eye contact with people walking on the street and like giving them a smile and saying hi. And it was so far and few between that, that you're able to do that. I find in other countries and other cities, it's much, much easier to do it. Um, but that was a big shift for me. Realizing that it's not just me that is afraid that you're going to find this out or that you right. know, you're going to think this of me or that of me. Like we all have that because that's the programming. It's the thing that tries to keep us safe. And once that happened, that was another like monumental shift for me and made me very comfortable to walk up to people. Um, and again, I think now I'm at a far different place where now it's like, I have a curiosity about people. For me, it's like people, I know people, certain people show up in my life. I just get to be curious and people love talking about themselves, giving them enough space and ask questions. Like people love talking about themselves. Most of the friends that you love to hang around, let you talk. So you just sit there and they're like, Oh my God, they just get me. Yeah. Cause they just sit there and listen and let you be right. So I think the fact that I'm curious and I've obviously interviewed a lot of people on the podcast. Um, I just ask questions and I get interested and in doing so it's made me feel a lot more comfortable to, to be around people. I think that's a, actually a really important distinction. It's like, you know, where, where the awareness is uh, at any given time is going gonna, is gonna to predetermine kind of like how you're feeling for, for socially anxious people you're you're very turned inwardly right you're introverted right and enter looking like it's funny because now i i kind of like i i would declare myself as an introverted person but if you met me you would think i'm highly extroverted and i i kind of think we all have duplicity right like we we all we can all play in, in both realms we have a dominant hand but everyone has every single attribute everyone has every single pattern everything a human is every human has it but you know certain certain aspects of you exude more out so um you know simple things that i've learned for those of you guys who operate more like me i think what elon just said is really great like a great frame to go into conversations with it's like i don't need to worry about how i show up i just need to be interested in this person and if i'm interested in this person i'm going to be a space for them to just say whatever they need to say and elon's right like 
relationships that go well or when people are like, oh my God, I love that person. They love you say that because they give you a space to open up and talk about things. A lot of times people who have really good listening, very clean listening, are, you'll say things that you normally wouldn't say around other people. And that's where you actually feel the most connected to somebody because guess what? Your system felt safe enough to share and declare something that normally it actually feels anxiety or overwhelm around sharing and just wouldn't, it would protect that piece. So that's a great thing, right? For those of you guys who are like, well, how do I connect to people? Let them talk about themselves. Um, a few things that I've, I've, that I've readily noticed, and these are like tips and tricks. So this is the juicy part for those of you guys who want to know. Um, first thing is that I've learned is uh, people look for facial cues when they're in conversation with other people, but your face is a, uh, is a mask that you've learned how to use over the years, starting from a really young age where you wanted something for mom that she didn't want to give you or dad. And of course, like you said one thing, but your face said something else, right? And so we learn to mask our emotions really, really well. However, nobody tells you to mask your, the emotions of your feet or the motions of your feet. So when I'm in conversation with people now, and if I think they're uncomfortable, I actually look at their feet to find out if that's true. And here's a, and here's a really simple tip. If people's feet are pointing at you while they're speaking with you, or they're like in an open stance around you, it's because they're comfortable and they want to continue the conversation. If their feet are pointed away from you, that's actually the direction that they want to go in. It's in your best interest to either shift focus on what you're talking about, and I'll talk about one other tip there too, shift focus on what you're talking about, or, or end the conversation and just move on to, to somebody else. Um, the feet never lie is a really good tip. They just don't. We, we By the way, we did a great, uh, I think it was a two-part series uh, on that book. Joe Navarro. Joe Navarro. Uh, so if you guys go on our um, YouTube page or, yeah, probably YouTube because it was on the old podcast, yeah. um, and look up Joe Navarro or um, what was the podcast called? <sighs> Uh, I don't actually remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, but if you, look like up Satori Prime, if you look up Satori Prime and Joe Navarro, it's a two-part series and it's great. It's about um, body cues, like I was saying. It yeah. makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. It's actually our, our most po- single most popular video is that Joe Navarro video on YouTube. So yeah, so that's number one. Number two is what I've learned is uh, body spacing is really important for us. So uh, if you feel uncomfortable, you might be actually standing too close to somebody. And again, like, I don't care what you're saying up here, your body is responding nonetheless. So if you're too close and your body feels uncomfortable, just try taking a step or two back and see if that relaxes you. If that doesn't work, you may actually want to turn your body a little bit in like a different direction. Because like, so for, for Elon and me, like our energies are really big. They actually exit from the stomach. They push this way. So somebody who is very sensitive might be feeling all the energy coming at them and their system is actually getting rattled. However, if they would turn their body a little bit, the energy would actually kind of like move past them um, and they wouldn't get quite as triggered. So body positioning to me is really, really important. And when I find myself standing in front of people and anxious, I'll just kind of rotate my body a little bit, move my feet a little bit and see how I feel. And if that continues or I, I see body cues from them that they're, um, you know, feeling that too. Or sometimes I'll just even make mention. I'll be like, sorry, I'm being awkward. And, you know, that will cut the awkwardness. Because like the moment you name something, it's just out. They're like laugh a little bit. I laugh a little bit. We kind of switch conversation. And then, you know, there's there's a deeper thing. And to be honest, sometimes it's just difficult to connect. You, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. You, maybe they had a really bad day. Maybe they're really sad. Maybe like someone passed away. Maybe they got really bad news that day. And, and they're kind of like forcing themselves to go out. 
but honestly, like it's almost like out of alignment for them to be speaking with people. Cause I know certainly I'm, I have days where like I'm upset about something. And the last thing in the world I want to do is have a conversation with, with like a stranger about, you know, bullshit things like the weather or what's happening in the news, which I don't enjoy those conversations at all. Um, but those are the things that have really helped me. Uh, and then, you know, like something that we train on is like, uh, for those of you guys who know what a fulcrum is, a fulcrum is like the, uh, the center point that creates balance. The fulcrum in the body is the hips. Um, a lot of people store emotions in the hips, you know, like, especially men will hear this a lot, like, oh, your hips are tight. It's like, that's where you store your emotions. I actually, I actually believe that to be true because anytime I've had any work done on my hips, like the next day I'm a, um, like, there's just like all sorts of stuff coming up. Um, but something I, I try and here's what you can attempt to do if you're having these issues is to actually slide your attention down towards the hips and just keep them there. And just see what happens when you actually keep your attention, not just in your, like, if you could just keep it in your body, great hips also, you might want to try different things. You might want to try putting in your stomach, you might want to try putting in your heart. I, I just, most of the time I'm either in my hips or looking at what's uncomfortable, which is usually in my stomach. I get like that, those butterflies, I like nervousness feeling. And again, it's just this piece that's not feeling safe. Now, as you feel through those things, every time I feel a little bit more safe, sometimes I walk into environments, I feel fine. Sometimes I don't, I really don't know what I'm going to get till I get it. So, you know, I just got to have to roll with what my system is doing. Um, and look, if it means stepping aside for five minutes and being quiet and, and breathing a little bit, that's what it takes. You know, and then I come back, I, I'm a little bit more grounded and I'll find myself okay. Um, I will say this, you know, if you're in social situations, uh, I, I've always asked this question, but now I kind of have an answer for it. It's like when you're at a party, why does everyone always gravitate towards the kitchen? Well, I'm sure you guys have all heard the statement comfort food. Right. And it's like everyone gets into a party and to some degree, there is that like moment of discomfort where it's like you're feeling into the party, you're feeling into people, you're feeling into your presence there. I think people end up in the kitchen grabbing food because they're actually overriding what they're feeling in their body and they're trying to create some comfort by grounding the system through food. This is just stuff you want to notice. Same thing with alcohol or grabbing a cigarette, you know, stuff like that. These are all cues of different ways that you're you have anxiety in your system and you're trying to deal with it. So again, nothing to do about it. It's just important to notice that you're doing it. You don't have to stop yourself from doing it, but just notice that something's happening in your system. There's a response and you're reaching for something to try to like uh, cut that anxiety. Yeah. Uh, so I was talking before, you just reminded me of like, you know, there's the thing that you're afraid of that people are going to see. And I just want to give you all an example of how this works, right? So it's like, say you got a haircut. And you have to go to this party and you don't, you're not really sure of the haircut. You like got it. You thought it was going to be cool. It wasn't. And then you show up to this, this party. Some people know you, some people don't. And you walk in and you're already, you have this story, this tentativeness and this like anxiety around what people are going to say around your haircut. And as soon as that happens, you're, uh, you go into like overdrive, hyperdrive of analyzing what everything in the room is. And the way that we're programmed as human beings is everything is always about you. Always. So you walk into the room and if on the other end of the room, two of your friends are talking and one of them happens to look this way and look back and then they start laughing in your mind, you already know, you don't think, you know that they noticed your hair and now they're making fun of your hair. And so you already have like all this 
built up anxiety and fear or, you know, someone will point and you think that they're pointing at you because everything revolves around you. It has to, right? Like it couldn't possibly be this picture behind you or someone else behind you or they're pointing to the north for all you know. It's always around you. And this is what I think kind of like revs the engine when it comes to social anxiety, this notion that everything's around you. People are always talking about you. And so I was just reminded of this thing. It's like, no one has time to think about you because they're thinking about themselves. The same way you walk into that room and you're just thinking about yourself and like, oh my God, what they think of me? Blah, blah, blah. They're all doing that. So when they're laughing, they're nervously laughing about themselves because that's their strategy to like try to make themselves calm. No one gives a shit about you. And I don't mean that in like a crappy way because obviously there's people out there that that care about you i'm saying like in a social environment everyone is in their head about themselves everyone's constantly worried about themselves so back to what we were saying before like if that's the case make them feel comfortable make them feel comfortable worry less about you being comfortable and just make people comfortable if people want to laugh let them laugh. If they want to share a story, let them share a story. And you'll start to notice that in doing so, A, they're going to be calmer, but you're going to start to be calmer. So instead of just like having this constant focus about that, you know, about yourself and what you're going to do and this and that, um, you just remind me of that story of like, you know, they, they just don't have time to think about you. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about that piece of it. I, I, a lot of the focus of the work that we do is, is around safety. Yeah. And that that's for me, the number one thing for pretty much every human on the planet, how that's expressed and how people deal with feeling unsafe varies, right? Like Elon might overcompensate. Somebody else is undercompensating. Absolutely. We're, we're all kind of trying to find that, that, that norm. What I think is important. And I think it's kind of cool that there's two different types of, um, viewpoints on here about that is like the reality is we all walk into a room and feel that anxiety. I've seen speakers from stage that are just prolific, really well-known people. And then they get off stage and people like corner them and try to have like a personal conversation with them. And you could just see them like just, just shrinking, you know, and, and turning into bumbling idiots where they were an absolute genius on stage. And, and that happens a lot. Like I know even from the work that we did for, for many years at Landmark and afterwards, like there are many, many people that can get up on stage and talk in front of thousands of people very confidently like wreck it and they get off on stage and with two or three people you ask them a personal question and they just they can't they can't deal i remember even a few years back um this is funny right like elon and i've spoken i don't know rooms of like 500 people or more or whatnot and again like uh, there's always a, a process and procedure like elon is really excited about it i i am very usually excited about it too because i love that interaction i love that um immediate feedback from like coaching and sharing things and just seeing the audience it's very very fun however it, i would say nine out of ten times when i got up on stage in front of people like there is a lot of shit happening in my system <laughs> i'm very like a lot of concern a lot of red alert is happening in my system and eventually i'll calm down and this is kind of what i've learned about myself i need like five ten minutes and i'm, I'm good um, but you know, those first five, 10 minutes, if you ask me to start talking, I'm like, I'm not even connected. I'm like, Oh, wait, we're doing, uh, we're on the stage. There are people, there's the things that we're supposed to be saying, you know, and like 10 minutes later, I'm like, Claire, I'm like clear, I'm channeling and like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my zone, but that's the reality. 
So what I want to just say about that is I remember like um, a few years back, I did like a local event here in Encinitas. I don't know, maybe like 30 people in a room. Uh, Mandy came to it too. And I remember when I started that event, I'm like, holy shit, I am unusually freaking out about this. Mm. Um, and I'm like, there's like 20 people in the room, five of which I probably know. It was with Marcy and a few other people. So I wasn't even the, the main headliner. One of the best, most fun times I've ever had. Like I just like let my shit go that time. I remember I was hila- like hilarious about what I was sharing. But the reality is I remember walking into that room and because it was such a small room and I was, you know, when it's small, it's intimate. So it's like people are right here. You're not on the stage. You're not looking down. You're not looking at an audience and just kind of like looking across the audience. Like you got to make eye contact because here they are. It's going to be a little bit weird if there's 20 people in the room and you're just like, hey, everybody, it's really nice to see you. <laughs> um, and, I'm, and I remember like how like jazzed up my system was getting about. And I was like, I'm taking like, I'm like taking big breaths. I'm like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> this kind of stuff. So it, it is funny. A lot of that has definitely shifted for me the last few years. You know, I gave a, a few of those tips and tricks about like the mechanics of it. And I can tell you at the end of the day, it comes down to, can you feel what's happening in your body? If you think that you're going to create enough understanding about, well, Oh, I, I have anxiety because my mom did this to me or because this thing happened in my school. Cool. I'm glad you got that. And you had that realization zero value in terms of how you're going to feel when you walk into a room. You're still yeah. going to have the anxiety. You're not going to be thinking, oh, well, uh, mom hit me when I was seven years old. That's an interesting thing as an opener to talk about. You know, like you're not going to do that. So the system doesn't feel safe. So whatever you can do to let the system know that it's perfectly okay to like feel through what you got going on incrementally over time, it will feel more and more safe to feel through that anxiety. And yeah. here's the thing, it'll metabolize faster. So if right now you get into a room and for like an hour you're freaking out and before you have two drinks, you can't talk to a single human being, that's something to notice. There's again, there's that feeling in your body. And if you start feeling through it, okay, next time it might be half an hour, you know, a year from now might be 15 minutes. And then a year from now, it might be like two minutes you get into a room, you recognize it, you feel through it, boom, and you're, you're good and grounded. So like, you know, psychology alone is not going to get you there. And I think that's an important piece. Um, I think it would be very valuable to do the exercise that Elon kind of mentioned in passing, not just the being with, but like sitting and meditating and realizing that the fear that you're experiencing in your body is equal and opposite to the fear that other people are experiencing. And if you can bring um, empathy to the plight of humanity and the fear that we are experiencing, not only will you feel more connected to humanity as a whole, in my personal opinion, but it will help you subside to know that you're not the only one dealing with it. And there's always something about knowing that I'm not the only one that for me helps to relax the nervous system and cut, cut down on its response for the fight or flight, which, you know, will allow you to connect with people. Yeah. I just want to offer uh, as a strategy, like a, a little challenge, if you will, for those that suffer from this, uh, we released a meditation. If you go to satoriprime.com forward slash meditate, you can actually download it. And what I would offer is this, your, your nervous system doesn't know the difference between something that is happening in the, in real time and something that you just bring into your awareness. Okay. So when you sit and you do this meditation, you can actually bring into your awareness, speaking in front of people. If that's something that you do walking into a, you know, a dinner with a bunch of people that you don't know asking a girl on a date or a guy on a date, whatever it might be, right? Like you can actually bring these things into your awareness and then the meditation will actually help you notice what is happening in your system. 
Okay. And instead of trying to understand it or make it go away or fix it or lessen it, you're not broken. It's just, this is how you're wired. You're just going to be able to notice it. And when through the meditation, what you'll be able to do is create more safety in your system. This is obviously the work that we do with people one-on-one or in groups. Like we help create safety in your system so that you're able to take bigger actions and feel more comfortable and do all those things. But you can do that internally. Um, so my suggestion is go download the meditation. And for the next 30 days, whether you use the, this particular meditation or just create your own practice, start to bring these things into awareness and, and start to create this internal safety. And as you do that, go out and see in the real world how that is responding. You know, like put yourself in a dinner, you know, dinner situation environment or go to this or go to that. And just notice, even if walking down the street, like, do you physically feel safer in this action? And I, this is the only way to do it because what you're trying to do is you're repatterning the way that your system responds to a certain stimulus. And the only way to do that is internally. There's no amount of understanding. It's like, okay, you know what? Uh, this is why this happened. So next time I'm going to try to convince myself this. The system doesn't get convinced. It just doesn't. It does what it does. So um, that's my recommendation to all of you is, again, satoriprime.com forward slash meditate. Go download that and just create like a 30-day challenge for yourself that either every morning or afternoon or evening, you're going to drop in and start to visualize these things and bring them to your awareness and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, everything happens in connection. Um, like I remember when I was not uh, in a relationship and I'd done a lot of work on relationships. And then like six years later, I got into a relationship and I was like, oh, cool. I've done all this work on relationships. This is going to be great. And I was like, all the same old shit came up. And I was like, oh, okay. So when I'm not in a relationship, I can't work on relationships. But, you know, like some of the data and feedback that our systems are looking for in terms of like experiential thing only happens in connection with other people. And having said that, like any good athlete or anybody who's great at anything, uh, putting in the time and investing practice allows for you to perform better when the game is being played. You know, meditation, is, like Elon said, is a fantastic tool for putting yourself in a situation and allowing for the system to express certain things where you can be with it in a safe environment. Because when, when that's being expressed, when 30, 40, 50, 100 people are around, it's not the safest time to try to feel safe when, you know, exactly. like when, when that's happening. So it's like you want to give the system a data point as a starting point to work from this like safety that you can kind of like tune into while that's happening that you can then grow while you're in those situations versus trying to do that work when there's so much overwhelm in the system. Because the reality is by the time you feel anxiety or overwhelm at, at a level that's too much for you, you're, you're in full pattern. There's automation happening. And if there's not some new patterning in the system, then you're going to pretty much act the way that you've always acted. So I think that's spot on. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Uh, let us know. We love to get your feedback. So let us know whether an email or reaching out to us on Facebook and just find out, you know, how the challenge is going for yourself, what you're taking on. Obviously, you can always use our personal development without the fluff group. It's a really, really beautiful, safe environment and group where you can even post like, hey, I'm taking on this challenge. Who wants to take it on with me? And um, just share what your progress is and ask for support and help. You really don't have to do this alone. All right. So love you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next show. Beautiful. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. 
Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients and those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just $9 a month. Again, satoriprime.com forward slash the collective. And as always, we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show. So if you head to iTunes and leave us a review right now, you could actually be next week's lucky winner. And lastly, if you do want to connect with Guy and I, head to Facebook right now, join our personal development without the fluff private group, ask for permission. There's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well. And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.